Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from this morning, January 14th, 2007, on this Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Weekend. We recognize that in our prayer time, you'll hear it briefly mentioned in the sermon. We also recognized it by singing Lift Every Voice and Sing. Most of my input to that event and weekend came in the Spirit Walkers devotion for yesterday and encourage you to get that podcast if you haven't listened to it already. This sermon is about mountain-moving faith and the faith of a mustard seed. Amen. Please remain standing as those chords of what has been known as the African-American National Anthem ring in our ears. Um, Hear the word of the gospel from the gospel of Matthew in the 17th chapter, verses 20 and 21. Jesus said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Talk about the kind of faith that can move mountains can be heard both inside and outside the church. It's been around enough that it seeped its way at least a little bit into the culture around us. And it comes from the saying of Jesus that I just read to his disciples. The words differ a bit from gospel to gospel, depending which account you read. In Luke, Jesus tells them they can uproot a mulberry tree with faith. And in Mark, the talk of moving mountains is attached to a different story. But it's there one way or another in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. It's a great passage to get pumped up about, a wonderful way to gain strength for whatever it is we have to face. Nothing will be impossible for you, says Jesus. Great promise. But it's also a verse that's been used harmfully. The verse is normally translated and read something like the version from the New Revised Standard Version that I just read. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, or in the New International Version, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. In other words, it focuses on the size of the faith. And on the one hand, there's some truth to that. As with any powerful agent, a little bit goes a long way. I discovered that on a personal level when I used a jacuzzi for the first time and I poured in a nice big dose of bubble bath. (laughs) Well, the bubbles kept growing and growing and growing till I thought it was going to be in a Buster Keaton movie with the bubbles kind of coming out the windows and spilling out the doors. It only takes a tiny, tiny bit of bubble bath in a jacuzzi. Never been in a jacuzzi? Take that as truthful information. (laughs) Size does matter. Jesus does seem to be here frustrated with the faith or lack of faith in the disciples. And he could well be saying, you know, if you guys could manage even the tiniest little bit of faith, you wouldn't be having these problems. The trouble is, when we start thinking about the size of faith, we end up assuming that if our prayers aren't answered the way that we've asked them to be answered, that we have no faith. We read this passage and think that, you know, if I had any bit of faith at all, I'd get what I prayed for. 
The dark underside of this passage is when well-meaning Christians tell people who are suffering that obviously they don't have enough faith or their prayers would be answered with a yes and they would get what they want. I've told you before about the woman who was actually told by a Christian friend that she'd killed her own daughter because if she'd just had enough faith, the child would have gotten well and would have lived. Um, I've told that story a number of times to say, don't ever say that. Even if you believe that, just don't ever say that. Put duct tape over your mouth, anything. Um, I think there's a more helpful way to interpret this passage. Because the original Greek doesn't talk about size at all. And that's reflected in the King James translation, which says simply, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it could be talking about the size. But suppose it isn't. Suppose it's qualitative. Suppose it means having the kind of faith that a mustard seed has. That feels really different to me. A mustard seed is one of the tiniest of seeds, but it grows very quickly into a very large plant. Suppose we had the kind of faith that could really believe in the far-reaching efforts and far-reaching effects of our tiny little efforts. We're all too often shut down by thinking some version of, well, I'm only one, I'm too small to really matter. This problem is too big for me. That's not the kind of faith that a mustard seed has. Its own size has nothing at all to do with the question. It's the seed of a mustard plant, and mustard plants get big. It will grow because that's its nature and that's its destiny. When we have the kind of faith that a mustard seed has, we recognize our own nature. We're fully confident that we're made in the image of God, And therefore, the powerful love of God can be and will be channeled through us. That's what the disciples forgot in the Matthew story. They thought that because they were only human, they couldn't cast out a powerful demon. But that wasn't their true nature. They belonged to God, and they had the power of God at their disposal. It doesn't matter if we're only one. It doesn't matter if we're small or poor or uneducated or weak. It doesn't matter if we're facing demons. Our power is God's power, and with God, all things are possible. We may just be a seed, but we're a mustard seed, and that means big things. More than that, the mustard seed knows that its destiny as a mustard plant does come at a great personal cost. For the seed to actually become the plant that it was designed to be, it has to be broken apart. And yet the seed has faith that even in its own breaking and death, a magnificent plant is going to grow. We rarely think like that. When the breaking time comes for us, that's when we tend to think that God has gone off on vacation without us, that we're being punished or abandoned, or that people have lied to us about there even being a God. When we're breaking, we often stop believing in the plant that is to come. But that's not the faith that the mustard seed has. The mustard seed gives itself up to the ground, to the breaking, to the death, 
completely confident that something incredible is going to come out of it. It's that kind of faith that's represented in the passage from Lamentations that Kira read for us so beautifully. In our service on New Year's Eve, when lots of you shared favorite Bible passages, I was delighted to have that one be the first that was shared. I don't think there's any greater statement of faith from Genesis to Revelation, with the possible exception of Jesus saying from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The book is called Lamentations for a reason. It's a lament by the prophet Jeremiah over the fall of Jerusalem. We've talked about this before. It was one of the most awful moments in Israel's history. As Babylon laid siege to the city and starved the people into submission month after month after month. Finally, with the people in the city resorting to eating the dead in order to stay alive, the armies of Babylon broke through the gates. They killed anybody that they didn't feel was really of any use to them. And they took all the ones who could do anything and marched them off in exile to Babylon. Not only was it a humanitarian crisis of the first order, it was also the largest faith crisis that Israel had had to that point in their history. God had promised to dwell in Jerusalem forever. The temple was going to be God's house, and God would protect the temple and protect the city. Well, Jerusalem was burning behind the exiles as they left. The temple was razed to the ground. Where was God? Were God's promises worthless? Israel was a people who expressed their devotion to God and received atonement for their sins through the sacrificial system in the temple. What would happen to them now that there was no temple? Who were they now? It's in the wake of all of that, in the bleak confusion and shock and grief of the destruction of Jerusalem and exile, that the prophet Jeremiah speaks. For the first three chapters and 20 verses, he blasts God for doing unspeakable things to him and to the people. And then, like a phoenix coming up from the ashes, verse 21 rises up. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I find that astonishing. It was that kind of faith that transformed the exile from the fires of hell to the fires of a crucible that strengthened and formed a people. A very large portion of what we know as the Old Testament was written during that 70 years of exile in Babylon as the people looked back and tried to make sense of what had happened to them, why this had happened, and they determined that God had punished them because of kings who had gone awry and sins that they had committed. But they still trusted in God. And it was that kind of faith that birthed the courageous figures in Babylon of Daniel and the three young men who were thrown into the fiery furnace. It was that kind of faith that moved the mountains of obstacles and allowed them to return 70 years later to rebuild both the temple and the city. 
It was the kind of faith that a mustard seed has, the kind of faith that looks not to its own power, but to the power of its creator for its destiny. If you have the kind of faith that a mustard seed has, you can move mountains. It's actually not you. It's God working through you. And that makes perfect sense to me. And there are examples of it all over the place. Martin Luther King Jr. had that kind of faith, and he shook the mountains of racism to its core. Mother Teresa had that kind of faith and cleared away the mountains of riches so that all could see the face of the poor. They weren't born any different than you and me. Martin Luther King Jr. was born with considerable, considerably more disadvantage, disadvantages than a lot of us can even imagine. They weren't born any different. It's the kind of faith they had in the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases, that moved the mountains. There are mountains ahead of us as a congregation. The one looming largest is our financial mountain. Through faith, we kind of moved a foothill last year as we began the year with a $42,000 deficit and ended up with only a $19,000 deficit. This year, we begin only $13,000 behind and trust that in the months to come, we can toss the rest of that foothill into the sea where it belongs. But in the middle of 2008, our tenant is moving into their own building. We rejoice with them as they have grown and flourished and have become one of the nation's leading schools in the treatment of autism. Our space can no longer offer what they need. But their good fortune leaves us with a gap of $101,000 per year in revenue. So if you know anybody that wants some space, just give me a call. <laughs> to those of us working with the finances, that seems like a pretty big mountain ahead. But not only in congregations, you know what it's like. I know a number of you face financial mountains in your personal lives, as well as other kinds of mountains of all sorts. Fears about our security, both nationally and personally, can be mountains. We have mountains of grief from the losses of our lives, mountains of anxiety about our future, mountains of work that seem only to grow with each passing day. You know how it is with mountains. When you're up close to a big problem, it fills the screen and you can't see anything else. That's how it is with mountains, and we have many in both our personal and our corporate lives. But Jesus invites us in the shadow of our mountains to remember the little mustard seed, to remember that it's always hard to know the potential until you break it apart in the soil of faith and water it with the love of God. Things you never even noticed before suddenly become the most impressive plant in the garden. Things that first look like mountains start to look more like foothills and then actually become sort of a grassy meadow and not so bad after all. If we give ourselves unreservedly to God. I invite you to think about the ways that your own faith might become more like the faith of a mustard seed. Do you expect too little? You're a child of God. Dream big. You get what you expect. 
Does a problem seem insurmountable? Place it in God's hands. Are you so afraid of breaking and becoming nothing that the plant has no opportunity to grow because you just can't put it down in the soil? In Christ, death is swallowed up in victory. And life begins when we stop trying to protect it so much and trust the hands of God. I invite you in the days and weeks to come to pray about how your own faith, how our faith together might become more like the faith of a mustard seed. Stop worrying, oh, I don't have enough faith, I need more, I need more. Switch to a qualitatively different kind of faith, the kind that says, oh, I'm little, so what? God is big, and I'm created in the image of God. We all are. We're gifted, we're called. We're called to be mustard plants. And those can move mountains. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. Love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. Thank you.